We have been talking about wisdom for a number of months now. We've been introducing this subject from the book of Proverbs. We've talked about where wisdom begins, some of the attitudes of seeking for wisdom. We've introduced it that way. We've talked about um, the journey toward wisdom, that, that we're in fact looking for wisdom, searching for it like treasure. And we've talked about what that journey looks like and and uh, uh, some of the different aspects of that journey as we take it through life, what we want to do for the next several weeks is ask a very simple question. We've been talking about how we're looking for wisdom. What is wisdom? What is it? Let's define it. Let's even put it under a microscope and look at it in detail. Let's look at it closely so that we can understand what it is that we are seeking uh, as we do this. Uh, We're going to be running a sort of lab here uh, on Sunday mornings, putting wisdom up for close examination, what it consists of, how it behaves, how it works. And we're going to use as our text for this examination, for these these lab experiments, if you will, Proverbs chapter 1, first seven verses, which Dave Calkins read for us earlier in the service. And our goal here is to learn to recognize wisdom when we see it. It's one thing to use wisdom as a word and to talk about it and to say we're looking for it. It's another thing to actually recognize it when we see it. It's, uh, it's important that we be able to come away from God's word, able to recognize and distinguish between wisdom and folly. And so we are going to be looking at this uh, in a number of different ways. Let me just offer a, a few observations to introduce this, uh, this closer examination of what wisdom is. Let's start with what wisdom is not. Wisdom is not a list of truths. Wisdom is not really information at all. I know a lot of people who know a lot of things. They're very smart. They have a lot of expertise in certain areas. And they're very good at what they do. They have skills. They have vast and detailed Uh, lists of information at their command and they are able to function in that area and do well in those areas. But what I find is very often they still lack wisdom. Let me go one step further. I know a lot of Christians who have detailed lists of doctrines in their heads. They know facts about the Bible. They've memorized verses. They understand even some of the reasoning of the scriptures and why certain doctrines are important and how they relate to other doctrines. I I have, have seen Christians with this kind of knowledge and yet when I look at the way they live their lives and the way they make decisions, it is obvious they don't know how to use it. And it is what we're confronting here is the fact that you can know information without having wisdom. Wisdom is a different thing. It's something more than a bunch of bullet points. So as we put wisdom under a microscope, we're talking here about something different than just learning more information, information about God, information about the Bible, or about right and wrong. Second thing that we need to say that wisdom is not... Wisdom is not customizable. Wisdom is not like an Android phone. I'm an Android guy. When, when, uh, I've, I've never been uh, an Apple guy. I'm sorry if I've offended you in saying this. You can, uh, don't leave, but uh, you're, you're still welcome here. When you text me, it will be coming to an Android phone. One of the things that I like about an Android phone is it's customizable. I can change it. I can adapt different things the way I want to, and that's why certain people prefer Android phones uh, because they can change it up and do what they want with it. Wisdom is not like an Android phone. 
You can't get it any way you want it. You can't customize it to do what you prefer. The the way of wisdom is not to adapt to us at all. Wisdom is much more like an iPhone. Here it is. This is the way it is. We've figured this out for you. It is not customizable very much. You have one or two options here. But basically, we think our ideas are really good. Use it. You'll like it. That's wisdom. Now, in saying this, we're saying something downright un-American. We want wisdom to be adaptable to our preferences. Because, after all, I've got goals. It's my life. There are things I am pursuing. There are reasons I'm pursuing those things. So, when I'm asking for wisdom, I'm asking for a a level of instruction and expertise to help me meet my goals. And what we find so often when we open the book of Proverbs, especially, but this is true of the whole Bible uh, broadly, is God saying, yeah, I understand you're pursuing your goals, but your goals are flat out wrong. And my job as God, the God of all wisdom, is to change your goals. When we talk about heart change toward God as evangelicals, that's what we're talking about. We're saying we adapt to God, not the other way around. So, uh, that's a second thing that wisdom is not. Let's talk about what wisdom is. Wisdom is a living whole. We're going to call it an organism It's alive, it moves, it has its own behavior, has its own roles inside itself. It's it's like a living thing. And we have to deal with it like a living thing. So what we're doing in putting it under a microscope is to observe the life of it so that we can respect that life, submit to it, receive it, and receive the power of God through His wisdom and His grace. So uh, that's the the broad approach of what we're going to, to see this morning And as we put wisdom under a microscope, this is the the tack we're going to take with it. Wisdom is an organism. It is a living whole. Put it a little bit differently. You can't slice it up without killing it. So, let's talk about this. Let's dive in here. This morning, we're just going to see from the first seven verses of Proverbs that wisdom is an organism. It's a living organism. So here we have the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And what we have here is is what's called the prologue to the book of Proverbs. This is like an introductory statement or a preface. You might even say this is a title page. Maybe the best way to think about this is this is the theatrical trailer to Proverbs. Maybe I should have had Dave Calkins read it like a trailer. The Proverbs of Solomon in a world. So you've got to think about it this way. This is whetting your appetite for what is in this whole book. It's whetting your appetite and, and piquing your curiosity to know what is in here. That's the function of this. Uh, and so this is a great place to go to find a definition of what wisdom is. It's a great place to go to look deep and close at what wisdom is. So the first thing we see when we uh, look at wisdom is the different names for wisdom that come up in this, in this passage. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. You're going to see a series of synonyms here, names or labels, all basically saying the same thing or maybe different aspects of the same thing. Wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in 
wise dealing, another name for wisdom. In righteousness, another name for it. Justice and equity. To give prudence, another name for wisdom, to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. So you've got a lot of names for wisdom here. All of these different words expressing the same kind of concept. Um, Let's think about instruction. Instruction as a name for wisdom is telling us something about its nature. It's something that you receive, you receive it, you are taught it, you are trained in it, you are even apprenticed in wisdom. You are working alongside a wise person and shoulder to shoulder with them as you copy what they do, you start to understand how they think and that is an instruction in the way to live your life. So you can think about wisdom that way. Words of insight. Another way to think about wisdom. Insight is the ability to see into something. That's just built into the word. So when you have insight, you're seeing fine distinctions that other people miss. Uh, It's always an education for me to shop uh, for color with Bridget. Like uh, if if, if we're going to... uh, do some painting in the house, and we're trying to decide on what color to use. Bridget has an amazing ability, insight into color, and she can she can distinguish between hot uh, hot colors. What is it? Warm colors and cold colors. See, I don't know this very well. I need to be apprenticed in it. She can tell you what different shades of color are in there. And these are things that I don't see. It's like uh, she can distinguish all these different kinds of yellow where I just look at them all and say, yellow. Words of insight are words that tell us there's more in what you're looking at than you might perceive if you're just looking at it simply. Another way to look at wisdom to receive instruction in wise dealing, another expression for wisdom. This is telling us a lot about what wisdom is. Wise dealing is not sitting back in an ivory tower with a bunch of books thinking about life. Wise dealing means you're out in life. You're in the marketplace. You're cutting deals. You're making investments. You're taking risks. You're trying to decide what routes to take through life. And this name for wisdom says there is, there is a way that God has through all of those things that face us in the marketplace. Wise dealing. Righteousness. This is right and wrong. As we look at the risks we need to take in the marketplace and the things that we need to do, there are right things to do and there are wrong things to do. Wisdom tells you which is which. So uh, this theatrical trailer for Proverbs says you're going to get instruction in righteousness. Think about justice. This is another name for the same thing we're talking about, wisdom. You're looking at a problem, you don't know who is right, you investigate it, you ask questions about it, you look into it, and as you probe into it, you decide this is the fair, right, just outcome in this situation. Another kind of wisdom and very practical. Equity is the same kind of idea. Equity is is even-handedness, making decisions without partiality, without being flattered or manipulated or bribed, corrupted by what you do. Equity says, I am going to make the right decision no matter what you try to bribe me with, whether it's flattery or gifts or whatever it may be. All of these names for wisdom are telling us something about what we're dealing with. Broadly, we're dealing with right and wrong from the heart of God. We're dealing literally with God's thoughts. We're dealing with what God thinks about when he looks at the human race. So when he looks at America, he has thoughts about us about what we're doing, about what we're saying, 
about all of the things that are happening in our country, and I, I for one, am kind of curious what those thoughts are. Because as I look at our country, I look at it and say, I need wisdom, I don't have it. When God looks at our country, He has wisdom. So what we're talking about here uh, with all of these names for wisdom that are used in these verses, we're talking about God's thoughts, the things that he thinks about us as he looks at what we say and what we do. Next thing we need to notice about wisdom is that it comes in containers. The containers for wisdom are very unpopular to us today. We like insight that comes to us through imagery. I love photography. I mean, I love looking at it. I don't do it very well myself, but there's something about a photograph that just kind of takes you out of yourself and you just love uh, looking over all of the different aspects of it, maybe dreaming of the place or thinking about the person in the photograph. I love that. It's a great way to get information visually. We like to get information from impressions or gut instincts or emotions. And we like to gain wisdom from those kinds of things. But the, as the Lord gives us wisdom in the book of Proverbs, he's saying wisdom comes in certain containers and you have to open those containers in order to get the wisdom what are the containers words very unpopular in our society today we would rather be shown in a picture than examine words ideas concepts and names of things and so to a certain extent, this, this trailer for Proverbs is saying, in order to gain wisdom, you're going to come face to face with words for things. You're going to have to grapple with those words. He says so, verse 2, to understand words of insight. How do you recognize when the words someone are use, is, is using are right? How do you spot that? How do you see what they are seeing? Notice verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. What is this saying? The wise open their ears and they listen to what someone else is talking about, what someone else is saying. And the wise listen to those words. They evaluate them. They examine them. They weigh them. And as they listen to those words, their wisdom increases. Their sense of insight increases because they're grappling with what other people are talking about. Forest for the trees here. Proverbs is founded on relationships and dialogue. Look down at verse 8 just beyond our text. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. I want to talk to you, son. Your mother wants to speak to you. Open your ears and receive our words. Grapple with what we are saying. Look at... um, Verse 20, wisdom cries aloud in the streets and in the markets. She raises her voice. What is she doing? Using words. She's speaking to all of these people busily going through their lives and and pursuing their goals. And what is wisdom calling us to do? Listen to her words. Just a couple more examples of this. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
Take in the words I am giving to you. You know what this supposes here? This, this assumes that the Father has the words to give. And so he's going to use the words that he has to put these things across to his son. And again, chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, open your ears and listen. A father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight and so forth. All of this is about words. It's about understanding, verse 6, back to chapter 1. Understanding a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their, what word do you have there? Riddles. Isn't that interesting? This is saying the wise really are like Yoda. They say weird stuff. And sometimes they say it backwards. What is it that is speak like Yoda day? It just happened. It was like yesterday. May 20th. Anyway, we passed it. So I'm going to ignore that. But the wise speak in riddles. They say things that make you work to understand them. There's a lot to gain from just noticing this one thing. The book of Proverbs is not designed to tell you what to do. It's designed to make you think so that you will know what to do. And so with every proverb, you are being handled handed a little tiny puzzle. And as you work on that puzzle and think about it and puzzle over it, the more you do that, the more you are understanding how God works. And the responsibility is yours. It is not the responsibility of Proverbs to spell it all out for you. It is not my responsibility as your pastor to tell you necessarily what to do in any given situation. My job as your pastor is to leave the responsibility for the decision, the thinking, the praying, the grappling with you. And that's what Proverbs does. Gives you words and says, think about this. Puzzle over this. This may be a little bit obscure. It may look backwards. It may look paradoxical and strange, and much of Proverbs does. But work on it, and as you understand Proverbs and sayings, the words of the wise and their riddles, then you will come to understand um, the wisdom of God, and you will come to a knowledge of God. So... What is wisdom? Wisdom is an organism that has many names throughout the Bible. Instruction, insight, justice, righteousness. It's this organism that um, is constantly working and producing what is right inside of us, if we will listen. The way this organism conveys itself to us, the containers it comes to us through are words as we grapple with the Word of God and with understanding these things, we come to understand how wisdom works. Let me make an exhortation to you at this point. If you're trying to gain wisdom without relationship, you're moving in the wrong direction. Wisdom, the wisdom of God, was meant to come to us through the loving care and instruction of another person who is walking along beside us uh, through this treasure hunt for wisdom. One of our jobs as a church is to get very good at what we call discipleship. Walking alongside one another on a one-to-one basis, not in... Even small groups, even small groups are too big for this. This is walking one-on-one with a close friend, mentor, in the Word of God, prayerfully, in the power of the Spirit, wrestling, struggling, talking, dialoguing about the wisdom of God. If you are pursuing that kind of relationship, you are pursuing wisdom. But if you imagine that you're going to gain wisdom alone, 
by reading about it or whatever it may be. I would just say it, you'll gain information, you'll have a list of things that you know, but you won't have that catalytic power of God called wisdom at work in your life. Um, men, we are working on this um, uh, with Multiply, uh, the movement of discipleship that is just about one-on-one relationship. And I know women are talking about this as well. Women's Fellowship just had a, uh, an emphasis, wonderful emphasis on friendship a couple of weeks ago, last, last weekend. There is nothing more needed in our lives than godly, wise friends. Because if you can walk with life, through life with your friends, and you have that support, you have that wisdom, you have that accountability. Uh, so this is a point of emphasis you're going to hear a lot more about because we have to talk with each other about wisdom. Proverbs was designed to work that way. It really won't work alone. Moving on, there is a source for wisdom. Verse 7. We've already talked about this. I'm not going to go into great length uh, more about this, but we do need to read these words again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All wisdom starts with the God who has wisdom. Wisdom is His thoughts. Wisdom is what His priorities are, the way He works, the way He does justice, the way He does equity, the way He gives instruction. We want to know God. He is the source of wisdom. The ultimate reason why I say wisdom is an organism, it is alive, is because when you're dealing with wisdom, you're dealing with God. If you're not dealing with God, then face it, you're just collecting bullet points of information, and you can use those however you want. The fear of the Lord is saying, God will not be trifled with. He is glorious, he is sovereign, he is all-powerful, he is all-wise. I want what he has, and so I'm going to pursue him, I'm going to trust him. All wisdom and all knowledge begins with the fear of the Lord. So, just as a setup here, we're looking at the prologue to Proverbs, and we find this description of wisdom as a living thing conveyed in words of insight that literally take the thoughts of God and give them to us. You know that phrase, God is love? We've all heard that. We all say that. And it's deeply true. What we mean by that is that love isn't just a concept. It's a person. And God is love. He is all of the things that we need that we talk about in, when we talk about love. So, when we want to know what love is, we look at God. We look at the fact that He gave His Son to die for us as a sacrifice on the cross. And that is love. That's the the definition, the ultimate example par excellence. This is love. I want us to take that approach with wisdom. God is wisdom. If you try to reverse that, you end up with problems. If wisdom is God, then it is possible for us to set up an idol in our own knowledge. But if God is wisdom, and if we want wisdom, we got to deal with God. We have to look to Him as the ultimate expression of what wisdom is, and that is why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So let's... Uh, Let's take this information that we've got here 
and let's work with it a little bit so that it becomes something more than just information. It becomes wisdom. Let's, let's give this description of wisdom kind of uh, uh, taking from what we have seen in this passage. First thing we need to say about wisdom is that it is whole. It is a living whole. We cannot break it up. We cannot break it down. We can't take the parts of it that we like and leave the rest because it is a whole thing. You either take wisdom as it is or we are in folly. And these are the terms of Proverbs. So um, as one of his uh, class homework things that he had to do this year, Dylan dissected a frog. This frog was sitting in our garage in, in formaldehyde or something. And so Dylan had to take this frog and follow the directions, and he, he did a fantastic job. The teacher was very impressed with his work because, you know, as he cut the skin of this frog, he, he lifted it up so that he didn't cut the innards, and so he, he made that cut and, and peeled it all apart. He had it all pinned back so that you could see the guts of the thing and all of the muscles. Are you sick yet? So you lay open this frog, and you, you pin it all down, and it's, it's cut up. You can see the parts. It's divided. It is sliced and diced, and it looks great. And it's all open there so that you can see it and understand it. It is also a very important quality that it has. It is dead. This is not a living frog. The, the frog came to him dead, and it was even deader after he cut it all up. You want a live frog, you've got to go down to some creek and find the frog and not kill it. You have to accept the frog for what it is. But the minute you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chop this thing up. I'm going to understand this frog better. The minute you do that, You're going to kill it. It works that way with wisdom. I won't say wisdom is like a frog, but it's sort of like a frog. It's a living thing. You can't chop it up and take the parts you like without killing it. You want to know why churches reek of spiritual formaldehyde? In the United States, it's because that's what we're doing. We're focusing on the parts of God's word that we like. We're taking the inspirational bits. We're taking the parts that feed us in our goals with our lives. And we're leaving the rest. You know what? All we have is a dead corpse of something that once was wisdom. That's why we stink in the nostrils of our country. Because our wisdom is all dissected, dried up, cut up, and dead. One of the things we have to realize is that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. I think this may be something the scriptures actually say somewhere. His ways are higher than our ways. And we've got to deal with that. And one of the ways we deal with that is by saying, wisdom is a whole thing. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to accept it. And if there's a part of it that is absolutely distressing me, I am going to work through that distress and I'm going to learn and I'm going to gain that wisdom because that's who God is and that's what wisdom is. It is a whole. Second thing we need to use to describe wisdom is it is living. We've already kind of said this. 
but it bears repeating because it is very easy to kill wisdom and turn it into the deadness of folly. One of the things that I saw when I was in England in 1987 as a high school student on a mission trip there where we wandered around England, uh, especially in the middle part, and just uh, attempted to give the gospel to people. One of the things I saw there was in a city called Birmingham. In the center of Birmingham was, at that time, may still be a, a big shopping mall called the Bull Ring, I think is what it was, it was called, right in the middle of downtown. And it's what you would expect, jewelers and clothing stores and all of this stuff. So you, you've got this, this shopping mall, one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. And out, right outside one of the main entrances to this shopping mall is a massive, beautiful church. So you walk outside of the marketplace, you walk right out those doors, and what you're confronted with is one of these beautiful stone churches. It's high, it's tall, it's got the spire and everything. You walk inside, and it's got the pipe organs and the, the whole thing. And it had a priest. And so I walked into the church, and this uh, this little guy comes out, and um, and he says, "Hey, I want to show you something. I want you to see what we've got here." Now, again, get this picture in your mind. You're coming out of the marketplace, and you're going into a beautiful place of worship, and you're talking to a man who has been ordained as a man of God, and he says to you, "I've got something I want to show you." I know what that should be, and I also remember what it actually was. He had been rummaging through this old church and finding, as any church will have, stacks of old junk. He found old pipes and things that could have been from the 1700s for all anybody knew. He had found all sorts of interesting things rummaging around through this massive empty building sitting right across from the marketplace. And what does he want to show me when I walk into that church? Bunch of dead stuff. Bunch of Dusty, old, moldy knickknacks. And that's him doing his job as a priest. Beloved, we need the wisdom of God to be alive in our hearts. Because wisdom is not something that retreats from the world into old buildings. Wisdom goes out into the marketplace and cuts deals, and shows its justice, demonstrates its righteousness in how it conducts itself with real people out in the marketplace. That's the kind of wisdom we need. That's the kind of wisdom that Proverbs offers. Third thing we need to say about wisdom is that it is authoritative. Wisdom is in charge If wisdom is an organic whole, and if it's take it or leave it, wisdom or folly, if wisdom is alive, then let's face it, wisdom is in charge. Wisdom's calling the shots. Wisdom has designed the world to work a certain way, and we are either going to respond to the authority and the sovereignty and the goodness of wisdom, or we're going to try to overthrow it with folly. That's the posture we are in in relation to God's wisdom. So let's think about this. I could show you maybe um, a documentary about lions. I say I could, I never will, because I hate nature documentaries. But I could do this. We could watch film about lions, what they do, how they kill things. And we could, we could watch a lion work from a distance with a, a, a really good zoom lens. And we could listen to them roar, and we could 
then turn the TV off and say, now we know about lions. Okay, so that's one kind of experience. Let's take a lion, a real one, and put it in this room. <laughs> Who's in charge? <laughs> well, you might say, I'm just, I'll, 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 I'll search this on YouTube. Lion taming. We'll, we got this. We'll figure out how to tame this. No, you won't. You won't. The lion's in charge. Maybe you've got a big gun. And so maybe that puts you in charge, but there's, there are certain questions that come with that, like how many people get wounded before you get your gun out. The lion's in charge. And what we have to understand about the wisdom of God is that wherever the wisdom of God is, you are dealing with an animal who is bigger, stronger, more glorious, and more powerfully in charge than we could ever be. And part of our problem as we come to church and as we deal with God is that we have no sense that the lion is in the room and he is pacing smelling, evaluating, growling. He's here. We asked him to be here, didn't we? Well, is he here or not? If he is here, he's in charge. So, again, this is something of, of what we need to understand about wisdom. Is you, you, you can't break it down and turn it into your servant. Wisdom serves nobody. We serve wisdom. Fourth and final thing we learn about wisdom is that it is worthy. The wisdom of God is worthy of our reverent fear. I'd like you to look at something. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Remember, we were talking about God is love. We want to know what love is. We look at God and what he did in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we said we want to take this same approach with wisdom. Wisdom is not just information. God is wisdom. His mind, the mind of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, that is wisdom. Matthew chapter 16. I want you to see this in action with a real live human being. Matthew 16, beginning of verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you? Say that I am. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What do you think of that? That's wisdom. Where did it come from? Well, Jesus actually comments on this. Verse 17. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one at this stage of his ministry that he was the Christ. Now what do you think about this? Peter receives direct revelation from God. This is who is standing right in front of you. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. How would you feel if God actually spoke to you right now that kind of truth and you were to say, I got that wisdom from God himself. And then if Jesus were to turn around and, and say, as he says to Peter, I'm going to build my whole church on you. 
and on the authority of all of the apostles with you and, and on the gospel that you teach. I am going to build my church and nothing will prevail against it. That's pretty heady stuff. It's great to be wise, isn't it? Look at what happens next. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Oh, hang on. That wasn't the plan. The plan is for for glory right now. You know, raise the standard and and charge. Let's go, because victory is ours, right? Jesus says, no, I'm going to Jerusalem right now to be killed. And that is the mission. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Then Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That's the lion growling. That's Peter saying, I've got this. I understand exactly how this is supposed to go. Let me tell you, Jesus, how this is going to work. This whole death on the cross thing, that's not going to happen. It's victory from here on in. And Jesus says, you are my enemy when you talk that way. Get behind me, Satan. Same scene. Maybe not even one hour has gone by. Same two men. In the one moment, Peter has wisdom from God. In the next moment, he has completely blown it. When we talk about the wisdom of God... We are talking about an organism, the mind of God, that is so great and glorious and beyond our comprehension. It is worthy of our reverent fear. So that when we receive from Him, we receive this little bit of wisdom and we say, praise God, I will now go back to being a learner. I will open my ears and the wise will increase in learning so that I can receive what is good from you. So, what is wisdom? It is a living whole. It is an organism and wherever the wisdom of God is, which is throughout this universe, physically, spiritually, and morally, wherever the wisdom of God is, it is in charge. And it is pacing the universe, growling. The only question is whether we will submit in reverent fear to the wisdom of God and see that as the great prize worth having in our lives. As part of our labs, we want to do tests, whether we have wisdom or not. Two questions that you can use prayerfully. First question is this, when I go to the scriptures, when I ask God for wisdom, am I coming for knowledge or am I coming for permission? See, a lot of the time when we go to the scriptures or when we go seeking the counsel of another believer, we've already made up our minds what we're going to do. And we've got our goals, we know what we're going to pursue, and we're on that course. All we want is some little bit of permission from the Scriptures to do what we've already decided to do. Know this, if that is the way you are consulting the Scriptures, Proverbs' word for that is folly, and it ends in death. But if it's the reverse, if we're saying, I can't make this decision right now, I need wisdom. Maybe all of my goals are in question. They're all on the table. Maybe everything that I'm doing in my life is something that needs to change. 
So I'm going to go to the scriptures. I'm going to go seek godly counsel to gain knowledge about that. And then I will make a decision that Proverbs is going to call wisdom. There are two ways open to you, wisdom or folly. Here is a kind of lab test which it is you're pursuing. Second test, am I bending wisdom to me or am I bending to accommodate wisdom? Which way is this going? This is another way of asking the same question. If you're going to the scriptures looking for permission for things you've already decided to do, then you can kind of bend them. You can twist them this way. You can, you can turn them that way. And you can ignore the part you don't like. And you can just focus on the part that makes you happy. And you can twist it and play games with it in that fashion. You can bend wisdom to you. It is possible to do this. But, here again, Proverbs has a word for this. The word is folly, foolishness, death. The other way to go is that I am the person who needs to adapt, bend, twist. I need to be twisted because I am twisted. I need to be untwisted and straightened. I need to be all of the knots in my thinking and my folly. I need them unraveled. I need them all undone, straightened out, cleaned up. I need clarity. I am the one who needs to change, not God's wisdom. If you're approaching God's wisdom in that way, then Proverbs says, you're wise. Here's the great thing about Proverbs. Proverbs would say, you're wise if you are starting in the middle of your folly. In the middle of it, saying, hang on, what I am doing right now is folly. I need to change. Where is wisdom? Right there, Proverbs says, you're wise. You get it. And your whole destiny changes at that point. I would put it to you that the New Testament, Jesus would call this the new birth. Where we say, Lord, help me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Teach me your ways. I will follow you. I will give you all the glory.